Welcome everyone to the Death's Door podcast, a brand new podcast for those diving into the gameplay and strategy of Sorcery Contested Realm, a new trading card game from Eric's Curiosa. Our goal here is to explore innovative deck building and competitive play for like-minded players to build off. But before we dive too deep, we probably ought to introduce ourselves. My name is John, and I'm very excited to have you here with us today on our first episode. Right now, uh, my favorite avatar is Wave Shaper, and back to my co-host to introduce himself. All right, hold on. Let me pull up a uh, text from a couple of weeks ago when you got the pre-cons. It says, yeah, they're pretty sweet. I don't really like the water strategy or avatar. <laughs> so something has that changed. We'll have to talk about that. That is <laughs> very true. That has uh, definitely happened. Um, yeah. I we'll, we'll get into that in a couple minutes here because we we dive into like what makes us really interested about this game. But um, just to a little back, background about us, like why we decide, like why are we starting a podcast about a new trading card game in the year twenty twenty four? Happy New Year! Um, it's kind of stimming. We both play a lot of games. We both have played a lot of Magic over the years. I, myself, I've been playing Magic on and off since about 8th edition. I was pretty young when 8th edition came out, but I remember playing it in, like, middle school and seeing Thorn Elemental, like, White Border, and um, just freaking out and loving that card. Um, and, like, all the nonsense that came along after that. Um, played in, like, Lorwyn and Time Spiral and then started playing more competitively after, um, like, Return to Ravnica and Innistrad, and pretty much on and off since then, I've been playing modern and um, competitive EDH, CEDH, for those that are aware of that format. And, yeah, the two of us have just been playing Magic together for a long time, and we were really kind of taken by this new card game, Sorcery Contested Realm, um, and... You know, we're going to talk about those, why why Magic played a big role in leading us to this path. But, um, you know, I, I'm i a big fan of trading card games of many varieties. Of I've played the Pokemon trading card game. I played Lorcana for a little bit. I uh, still kind of do. It's interesting. I'm not going to talk about that right now. But <laughs> what about you? Like, what, what brought you to wanting to play Sorcery? Uh, I will answer that. But first, I, I went for the bit and I forgot to actually introduce myself. Hey, everyone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'm Bronte. Uh, my favorite avatar, call me basic, but I'm going for Sorcerer. Uh, I like that sweet four to five curve top. That's an under, that's underdog right now, I think, in the... And just like how people perceive cards. Uh, yeah, um, either either it's underrated or I'm just bad at the game. We will determine that over you know the next few months. Um, <laughs> but uh, a little bit about me. I uh, started playing Magic later than John. I'm, I'm not, a, not as old a Magic player as John is, but I started playing during the Return to Ravnica block and also just was like, immediately sucked in there was like the shocklands and the guilds and it was all so much fun um and just immediately went as deep as i possibly could we started you know getting into 
all kinds of formats and doing lots of brewing. We were playing standard, we were playing modern, and we also were playing EDH. You introduced me to EDH, John, and it was 2013, which is fairly early on the on the EDH schedule. I remember you had a Relentless Rats deck and a Mono Blue Talrand, I think, were the two that we played. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I had my first, like, my first real EDH deck I ever built was um, Marrow with uh, Relentless Rats and Thrumming Stone. Yep. Um, that was awesome. That deck was nasty. Was a lot of fun. Um, it was a different time. And then, yeah, I had the blue, Mono Blue Talrand and then Mono Red Perforos eventually. Um, that Perforos deck was a lot of fun. But yeah, Commander has really changed. Um, but this, you know, just a heads up for, you know, our amazing listeners right now. This is not a magic podcast, but our background is in a lot of magic. And I think that that is going to, you're going to see that. And I think it's going to be helpful if um, you kind of see where we're coming from when we talk about sorcery and like the good and bad of, of the game um, and kind of why it's, you know, we've been playing a lot of it these past couple months and not playing magic. I've not been playing nearly really any magic recently. Um, and I, you know, I really want to keep talking and playing sorcery. Um yeah, well, you know, we did we we played a lot of like competitive sort of circuits. We we played like standard. We played we would go to like Grand Prix, GPs, um, uh, regional like qualifier, pro tour qualifiers. We were, things we like were out that. there traveling. <laughs> we were grinding. Yeah, that was that was a different time. That was a very different time. Um, and I think that that is one thing that we kind of carry with us throughout games that like I'm not like a I try and not be a very like try hard super competitive player like if I don't win I'm mad like I think that that's a very kind of toxic thing to have in you when you approach like a game or a video game or whatever but winning is fun and like if you're not bringing your full self to the table and like trying to implement like a hard like strong strategy then i don't know i kind of don't love it when a deck or a a game does that or someone does that like i want to bring kind of a competitive edge to um a strategy but you know or or a deck that i'm building but you know just still have fun doing that and that's really that's the ethos of this this podcast um here at death store that's kind of the we like to think about doing new things trying new things in deck building having fun with it but you know, we're, we're playing to win. We want to win games. We want to do well. And we want to kind of push the, the game to its its limits in doing so. Totally agree. Yeah, I, um, I'm i certainly not out here taking down every single tournament I go to or taking down any tournaments. But I like to, you know, get into the top four. <laughs> right. I like, to, I like to win. I like tight gameplay. I like well-built decks. And I like knowing the lines. I like knowing a deck really well. Um and yeah i like when high tier play leads to interesting outcomes um and that's that's really what i want to look into you know when when we're playing sorcery and when we're doing this podcast i want to kind of be exploring how to elevate gameplay all the time um but in addition to uh magic i'm also a big board game fan 
and uh, that's something that has also drawn me to to sorcery a lot. I like everything from like super complicated uh, games that will take all day. I like having Twilight Imperium days out here. I like uh, playing Spirit oh, Island. <laughs> I like staying up until five a.m. You know, uh, playing a Jedi or Star Wars Rebellion. <laughs> Star Wars Rebellion. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a five AM game. Yeah, that's a core memory for me uh, and you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh different times. Uh, but I also like yeah. I also like more more basic games. I like stuff like Moncala and Checkers, and I really appreciate simplicity in rules and design that leads to complexity of gameplay and uh strategy. And I think that, um, you know, like the best games are both simple and complicated at the same time. Yeah. I mean, that I, we can, that's going to lead us into our kind of next thing here. But I've been actually really enjoying playing like chess recently. <laughs> Just like the past. I like, didn't, I didn't know you couple, were on the Queen's Gambit, John. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm so bad at chess and like I still barely know the rules. But I honestly think that our recent playing of sorcery has kind of like made me interested in the the grid format, the like the location based, and that is so like that is chess. Um, and it's funny when people like you know games are super complex. Magic is super complex, and these board games we talked about are super com- complex. But you just listed like these very traditional, old you know historyed, storied games, and like. It's, there's a lot of strategy that goes into them so before we lose all of that let's can you do me since you are the one that got me into this this game and you're gonna be the one that got me gets me like spending hundreds of dollars on thousands of dollars on alpha foils what it's, is listen, it's payback for you getting me into magic <laughs> that's fair i have made you spend probably literally thousands of dollars on magic at this point i know i have um let's not talk about it's, it. it's it's yeah let's not um but start from the top. What is Sorcery Contested Realm? How do you play? Like, what's the elevator pitch? And if you don't know or you've got kind of been curious about it, Bronte's going to walk us through that right now. Great. I would love to. Okay, so Sorcery Contested Realm uh, harkens back to old school magic, um, both aesthetically and gameplay-wise. It's... Uh, it uses all um, hand painted art as the as magic you know did as the first trading card game, um, but unlike other trading card games that you know have have proliferated, um, Sorcery Contested Realm is played on a five by four grid system. Um, you have your avatar who is basically your um, your projection in the game and then you play sites this is where you get mana and resources from um, onto the grid one site per grid square and then on on those uh, spaces on the grid you can play uh, minions equivalent to like creatures or uh, you know Pokemon if you're a Pokemon player uh, what are they called in Lorcan? Um, char- characters? Characters. Yeah, characters okay yeah, yeah. That makes so you're sense. the disney game you're 
<laughs> your minions creatures go on the sites uh you also have magic spells you have artifacts um you have uh auras uh, which are you know basically enchantments and the goal is to banish the other player's avatar from the realm by reducing them to zero life which takes them to death's door and then once they're on death's door you deal a death blow by dealing further damage uh, and that ends the game it I is thought when a... you got to death's door you were on an awesome podcast isn't that well yeah that too but uh oh okay yeah no no, no. oh that's right that's yeah that's that's for more advanced players, yeah. No, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's deep strategy. We shouldn't get <laughs> that's there very yet. Deep. Yeah, um, no. It, that is a, a good sort of um, intro to what this game is. What what drew you? Like, you were the one that really, where you were banging this drum. What drew you <laughs> to wanting to play Sorcery Contested Realm? And um, why... Yeah, I, I really was banging this drum. Uh, and I've been I've been sending you sorcery stuff for months trying to trying to get you to agree to play with me in as we uh, ramped up to beta. Um, and actually, you know, I only found out about the game in July of 2023, so I wasn't in on the Kickstarter or anything. Um, I found out when a local game store posted about the alpha release, they basically just posted some of the pictures of the cards and immediately my interest was piqued i was like i like i like this art style i like the layout of the card i like the way this looks and i wanted to start looking into it so you know i went to um you know the sorcery tcg website i read a little bit about it and then a bit later my local game store had a learn to play event and we were playing super basic basically popper decks um it was mostly ordinaries and some exceptionals they weren't even the pre-cons um they rolled out the play mat with that five by four grid in front of me and we started playing and it was immediately really quite easy to pick up it was also really fun and dynamic and i watched you know like tables of other people also learning to play and they were all having similar experiences where they were picking it up relatively easily and they were also just going at it yeah once i once i played that learn to play i knew i wanted to get into this game but once i got you playing and you know we started to really pick it apart that's when that's when I knew for sure. I got the pre-cons, I started playing with my partner, and then we started, you and I, John, started talking about decks and strategies, and I was sold beyond sold. Yeah, what, I mean, that's that's all very true, and kind of like, I was I was watching you enjoy this from afar, and I was like, okay, fine, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, I bought the pre-cons, uh, we've been playing virtually, so we've been playing on Tabletop Simulator, um, and like watching content on YouTube, and things like that. Um, I have not actually played a physical game in front of me. I have physical cards, but um, honestly, it, it's kind of the similar experience. I experienced it online because I was on Tabletop Simulator, uh, which is an online software that you can kind of port. There's a free version to port the game over to, and there's you know plenty of guides and resources online and whatnot that we can link to in our Substack, which is where you can always subscribe and get the newest 
episode updates and things like that. But when we were playing tabletop for the first time, I saw the grid in front of me and like I saw my opening hand and I was like, oh, okay, I get it. Like, (laughs) I feel like that was really the thing that that made me understand it at first. And what drew me to it before that, like you were talking about it. I was like, it seems cool. And, you know, the gameplay seemed cool. But just like you, I saw the art. I saw the aesthetics. I read over like the card names and some of the like flavor text and, you know, towers and hippogriffs and lightning bolts and sorcerers and wizards and trolls and unicorns. And I was like, God, this feels so like, it does. It harkens back to that like old school magic, old school fantasy. Like it goes even b- mm. before magic as like a, a card game because magic was doing more, you know, fantastical stuff, kind of offbeat stuff early on in its career. But I mean, this is like, you know, paperback novel fantasy kind of um, aesthetics. And I, I love that. I, it made me feel like it's really stripped the genre down to its bare elements and was just like, wizards and fighting and you know (laughs) soldiers and like lightning bolts i was like yes like give me all of that um so that's what drew me to it and like you said once i started get like once i was actually playing um i really enjoyed just the complexity and the um focus on it like a board game like you said that board game aspect is really neat but it is still i love i love a card game there's something about a card game for me about a deck building game where i have physical cards in my hand even when i play like blackjack or poker or like euchre or something it just having physical cards in my hand is such a different feeling and such an enjoyable experience compared to other things Um, there's nothing better there's nothing better (laughs) they're really not like (laughs) i've played plenty of board games i've played plenty of like video games and things like that played like art you know role-playing games and tabletop games but there's nothing like having cardboard in your hand and that's why we were i don't know both so drawn to magic and that's how we ended up doing this but um yeah i've really enjoyed the game so far so for me i'm gonna talk quick about like what things i have really liked about sorcery so far um you know we kind of gave a basic overview and hopefully you walking into this you have a sort of preliminary understanding of how the game kind of works maybe you've played a a game or two and you're interested in upping your deck building and things like that and just kind of seeing what is out there in a more competitive lens but for me i one of the first things that um interested me when i actually started playing it was the layers of the game and the way that like being submerged being underwater being burrowed underground being um atop a layer play like an actual strategic element to it and it reinforces that like physicality of the game reinforces the complexity of like a board game grid um that's something that like i really really enjoyed from the start um which is kind of why you know when when i got that pre-con um and i was opening up the decks and stuff i was looking at them and i was like these are all really cool and I was reading the Wave Shaper, and I was like, eh, I don't see it. Like, you know, I'm just, like, goldfishing. I'm like, I guess. Like, I don't know. It's it's all cool. So I did. I texted you. I was like, it's not my favorite. But now, since we've been playing together, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, Wave Shaper's my favorite right now. Um, just because, like, 
you re- once you start playing more, you realize how much the grid matters. And coming from like a magic background like us, it, the the location of your cards doesn't matter in the game. Like that's not a thing. <laughs> um, you know, not and maybe don't put your lands in front, but that's about it. Like, um, but yeah, the the sort of layers of the realm, the submerged and burrowed and top things, has been really interesting. Um, what about you? What what kind of have you enjoyed now that you've been playing it for a little bit? I mean, the the realm itself just makes such a huge difference in gameplay. Uh, if you haven't played a game, it's impossible to emphasize just how different it makes things, that you can choose where to play your sites, and you can choose if you're going to take like a proactive strategy and approach your opponent's sites right off the bat, or if you are going to... Uh, you know, maybe play a little bit more conservatively, only play in your back row. That's really interesting. Um, but I, I guess to me, the things that have really stuck out are like the identities of each element, um, you know, to reference magic once again, you know, each color of mana in magic has its section of the color pie as it's called and they have specific abilities that they are best at things that they're worst at things that they don't do at all um and i get a very similar uh feeling from the four elements in sorcery but they're very different despite being ostensibly uh you know like analogous like fire and red mana you could compare but they aren't actually doing all of the same things and uh air in particular has really interesting uh flavor and identity space where there's lots of random effects there's lots of damage but you don't always get to choose where that damage goes um you also get like raise dead and you know uh reanimation effects in air which i think is really interesting and not necessarily where i would have conceptualized necromancy in a four element magic system um so that's been that's been awesome but also the uh the pre-cons really were so much fun to play with they really like emphasized that that kind of thing that you're talking about this has been some of the best like i i want to like point out we're not affiliated with the game at all or anything like that but like honestly these these pre-cons have been so good (laughs) just like chiming in to be like this was such a great gateway to get someone into a game that like from a game design and marketing and like player retention sort of strategy they knocked it out of the park with this like this pre-con box truly they're they're excellent they're so much fun to play against each other and they're reasonably well balanced i think the consensus is that the uh air deck is maybe a little bit weaker has less consistent answers than some of the other decks but that is outweighed by how much fun the deck is to play and like how interesting it is to try and make spark mage's ability work to deal that you know damage to cast a lot of spells in one turn um and yeah i also am really uh i'm i'm really interested in how how firmly they have found a spot for sorcery among like you know fantasy games among card games among board games it really feels like its own thing while still 
you know, being clearly referential to old school magic. They, you know, they say that on their website, it's one of their like key marketing points. Um, but they've done a good job of situating themselves in a niche. And it seems really hard to do that in the current TCG market. Well, that's, that's one thing that has really kind of blown me away. Um, you know, it, I, I wanted to talk about this later on, and I definitely still will that like, so I talked about the pre-con boxes that those are really like great design and stuff. This game has some of the best like quality of actual like physical products I've seen in a while. Um, apart from, you know, just like competitive playing, I do like to collect, um, and I like to buy shiny cardboard and things like that. And I swear I've spent a lot of my money on magic, mm. <laughs> you know, like Japanese shiny cardboard, fetch lands and things like that. Just like, but in recent years, not to just like spend the entire time dunking on magic card quality has gone down. <laughs> And that's just a byproduct of like where that game is at right now in terms of corporate goals and the game's kind of changing philosophy. Um, but sorcery, like the card quality has been really good so far. I know I will say I have seen stuff online about people opening um, like poor, like faded things and things that are misprinted, which some people don't enjoy. I like misprints, but some people just want a normal card. Um, and also there have been some like error packs out there. So it's not without flaws in its whole like supply chain production sort of getting these things printed and into consumers' hands. But um, the thing that you're saying about like setting itself apart is there's it feels like a game that has absorbed a lot of that sort of um, knowledge of other games and information and best ofs from other games and is really trying to put it into its own thing like they had this original idea and they're soaking up all the goods of other games and trying to they're you know trying their best to sort of keep the bad out um and you know it's not just it, it's not it is not like exactly a magic clone um there have been so many magic clones there have been so many like pokemon clones and um other things like that but it, it doesn't feel like a magic clone even though a fun little anecdote that like when I went to go buy my box for the first time the the store owner was like oh like I, I saw this we got this shipment in um sorcery contested realm isn't that just kind of like a magic ripoff because <laughs> it's magic the gathering and then the name of this game is sorcery contested realm it's like fantastical colon two words and he was kind of like same okay, formatting like, <laughs> same formatting and everything he was like this seems like a magic ripoff but is it any good and i was like well my friend really likes it so yeah and he's like okay cool um and here we are you know but yeah and, um, and actually like the the first time that i went to draft this uh it was at the same store that i found out about the game from and i showed up and wasn't sure if anybody else was going to show up and they were having a draft the same day for lost caverns of ixalan the like most recent magic set and uh i saw someone who i play magic with there starting the the magic draft and they're like oh hey you came to draft i'm like yeah but i'm drafting sorcery and they're like oh uh like how is it is it just hype and like <laughs> I mean, I was I was worried that the game would be hyped too because I you know before I played before I really you know started 
diving deep into some of the sorcery content, I wasn't sure. And it's really hard to tell with new trading card games and with indie trading card games if they're right. going to be hype. Yeah. But 12 people turned out to that draft, and I haven't seen 12 people turn out to a magic draft in the area in a long time. <laughs> right. And then yeah. the next week, 12 people showed up to draft again. And like the gameplay is not just hype the fun of the mm -hmm. game is not just hype and it's not just you know a magic clone it's it's got its own thing going yeah and then like honestly i just got off of a i'm still like kind of on a hype train but like at the same time that you were trying to get me to play sorcery i was testing the waters with lorcana over the summer um and lorcana is a fun game i think some of the design stuff is like the the gameplay is really interesting and unique but it feels a lot like Pokemon. Um, and there have been like some Pokemon clones over the years. And I'm not going to, you can, you know, argue with me about that all day long. I'm not going to spend time on that. But there was so much hype around Lorcana. And I was like, Ugh, this is just not scratching that itch. Like it's not, it's an interesting game. It's got its good points, but I'm not really about it anymore. And here's this other game that's like, this one was from Disney. And it's to me like, eh, it's not doing a great job and then here's this indie game that's coming out at the same year and i was like okay i guess i'll give it a shot i'm like oh okay this like this is some this to me feels like it has staying power um you know there's things that they need mm -hmm. to tweak and whatnot but like it does feel like from the community that is growing online and the sort of exploration of gameplay and deck building um it it feels very it feels unique it feels like it does it's not just hype um and please like if you're trying to get into the game hopefully you're taking that with like full sincerity we're not <laughs> paid for by <laughs> sorcery we're not like affiliate sponsors or any of that kind of stuff like just two people that really love games and love playing different games and like this is this has been a really really fun experience um so for you like what is there anything else that has made this like that really fun experience that um, you haven't seen in, in other games or anything else that like has been really interesting about sinking your teeth into sorcery? Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned, you know, scratching that itch and how other games don't necessarily scratch that itch, that itch in particular being for me, really interesting, complex, thoughtful gameplay, like the way it is in magic. Part of it is sort of the vastness of that game. There are so many game pieces, so many unique cards, um, but also the rule system is complex. There's a lot of different card types. There's a lot of different things that you can be doing. Um, and like other other games, I, you know, I've played some Pokemon. I've played some Flesh and Blood. A lot of other trading card games don't really scratch that itch but i definitely feel that part of my brain you know lighting up when i play sorcery and uh i think part of that is uh well in this is this is very i know this is very contentious uh but in magic you have a lot of things that happen at instant speed there's a lot of spells you can play abilities you can activate at instant speed <clears throat> and that doesn't really 
exist in sorcery and it doesn't exist in a lot of other games but the weird thing is for me i don't feel that missing from sorcery as much as i feel it missing from say uh flesh and blood or from pokemon in particular um and i think part of that is the grid system that we've already talked about it but it adds just an extra layer of complexity where i don't really have to worry about adding complexity on your turn because i'm adding complexity as we build the game together um but then another part of that is also uh the way that deck building is unique in this game. And this is something that I didn't mention earlier when I was giving the elevator pitch for sorcery, but uh, unlike in Magic or in Pokemon where you can have, you know, four of a certain type of card. Um, you can only and, have you know, one one of Ace Trainer in, um, or Ace Spec in Pokemon, by the way, for my Pokemon nerds out there. Uh, you know what I'm talking Excuse me. About. That, that was a great transgression <laughs> all right let oh, yeah. scrap the podcast this is too scrap bad i'm gonna po- get canceled scrap the pod. bronte doesn't know what an ace spec is bronte <laughs> forgot that um computer search and toxic laser shooter whatever exists <laughs> that game's so silly uh, that game is so silly it's fun but it is it is also a silly game um but yeah, so the the rarity system in sorcery adds a component to deck building that's very different from other games that I've played. Um, and I know it's not strictly unique. Other games have done similar things. But in sorcery, there are four different rarities. There's ordinary, exceptional, uh, elite, and unique. And those are from most common to most rare. Uh, ordinaries, you can play four of in a deck. And this includes your spells, your spellbook, and your atlas. Um, you can play four ordinaries, four of each ordinary, uh, three of each exceptional, two of each elite, and only one of each unique. So there's an added layer of complexity in deck building where you have to evaluate um, how much consistency you want versus how much power you want on the higher end of the rarity, and you know how you're going to consistently get to these things how can you build a strategy where you know that your most powerful card in your deck is also a singleton Um, and so that has been really satisfying for me and it also has helped things not feel you know just outright busted there's no cards currently that seem absolutely dominant there are some very good ones uh like let's (laughs) <laughs> do you want to do you, are you gonna name him are you gonna name him right here now are you gonna, gonna put him name, on blast i'm gonna put him on blast i'm gonna name your favorite boy and despite what we said earlier i know that he's the reason you still play this game and that you got into it <laughs> pudge butcher is a very very strong card and i know will permanently be john's favorite card oh um, I, you know, I you know i thought you were gonna name someone else um oh. i think that that's gonna be at the um i you know i'm gonna save that little chestnut you gotta listen to the end because i Uh think the if we want to talk about um having cards that are too broken but also accessible at a lower rarity um you'll you'll hear okay okay i I have an idea (laughs) um 
but yeah, like there, there are powerful cards, certainly. There are no cards that feel dominant, and part of that is because the rarity system helps kind of even out power levels. That That is one thing about this game that I have really, really enjoyed for two reasons. Um, I come from a magic background of, you know, we, we pl- I play like a lot of modern and stuff. And in modern, I play like four color, five color decks. I was playing like Omnath and Yorian and like Birthing Pod and stuff. You did nothing. you absolute <laughs> menace. <laughs> there is nothing more like frustrating than seeing a deck list that you want to build and it's just a bunch of four ofs and every card costs like fifty dollars each and you're just like oh this deck is like this deck i'm let me just grab my yorian they're not yorian i'm not i just pick it up right here yeah here he is this deck is like two thousand dollars like that's crazy that's just that's just wild and something that when you i i realized about um sorcery is you know you can see a deck you can see a deck list you can see something interesting and you may you know it's gonna have like a a couple cores in it it might have a philosopher's stone it might have some like mixes in it but you only need to buy one you only need to buy two of the mixes to have that deck like up its strength level instead of like oh you need eight copies you need a playset of this like your deck has to have four and four is just more than one so it is going to cost more money for you um you know we, we're still seeing how sorcery is shaking out in terms of like, financial aspects and stuff a lot of that to do with collect collector stuff which let's not get into it right now but in terms of actual gameplay you know i it's it's looking to me like it's going to be a lot cheaper than magic. And I, I feel like that's probably true for most games, but um, even like Lorcana, um, you know, for a little bit there at the beginning, some of those like, Oh, you have to run a play set of this and it's a secret rare. And it's like, Holy moly. Like <laughs> I'm just <laughs> testing the waters with this game, you know? And so the thing that's really awesome about sorcery is like, you could crack some packs and open a cool, unique, and then you could build a deck around that unique and you don't need to buy a playset of that unique. You don't need to, like you did it. You did the fantasy. You did the awesome job of like, I cracked, you know, uh, who's a unique, you, I, I cracked, a, opened a great old one and now I'm going to build a water deck. Mm-hmm. You did it. You don't need more great old ones. And you have to weigh that balance with the puzzle of deck building to what exactly what you were saying of, Obviously, if I cast a great old one, I'm going to win the game, but I only have one in the deck. So are there other things that can help me get great old one? Are there ways that I can draw more cards so I increase my likelihood of seeing a great old one? Um, what can I do to get to that point because I am constricted? Like restraints build creativity in games. And sometimes, you know, it's like <laughs> it's like magic when... I was playing like a Yorian, which if you're not familiar with, it's like a 80 card deck. And it was just like play sets of, it was just four of every good card in the format. Cause it was like a four or five color deck. And it's if like, it's at that good, point, it's, you throw four in. You, you just throw four in. And there were no, there were no guardrails. There was no restriction. And that, I mean, that's why Yorian got banned, but like, and the dexterity of shuffling 80 cards, but I digress. Like, when you put these limitations on a rarity system that actually impact the game, 
it's really interesting. And also a rarity system that, like, um, is aware of itself, you know, with cards like Common Sense and Un... Oh, what is it? It's like the Unlikely Alliance, where you draw cards equal to the number of different rarities on the board. Like, this game mm-hmm. is referencing the fact... Like, it's like rarity doesn't just exist in sort of a collectability logistical standpoint it exists in like a oh that's just like a foot soldier versus that's an eldritch horror like right that's the literal grim reaper (laughs) right exactly there that like that is death that is the grim reaper there is only one yeah there can be four like snow leopards because snow leopards (laughs) just are animals that exist in the world you know it's been really interesting to see that like it feels it feels so different, but it feels very like you can latch onto it and you can understand it. Speaking about like snow leopards and, and death and thing, the only thing that I really just want to like anecdotally bring up when we talk about all these things that we've enjoyed about the game so far is I have really, really enjoyed just the sort of fantasy of the game, the world building in the game that I am creating a a realm i am you know putting out a desert and my like desert soldiers are gonna come attack you i am flooding the realm with rivers and stuff and my shark is gonna jump up and bite you i mean really the fantasy thing has just been through and through the most interesting thing and like the realm building world building in both the game itself like the the lore of the game or like the fantasy themes but also like the literal world building that you are doing on a grid but just just getting to play games where i have a griffin and i give that griffin a flaming sword and it kills your guys and it like attacks your avatar and your avatar dies it just feels so rewarding it feels so like again this whole old school vibe it it doesn't feel like i'm gonna compare it to magic it's gonna keep happening it doesn't feel like i just have this like army of whatever an elemental horror a pirate monkey a like goblin lord and it's just like none none of that thematically makes sense none of that it's like what is happening here we have like laura croft and optimus prime (laughs) fighting against a dragon and like some planeswalkers it's like what is happening on this board state and don't forget the battle bus and battle bus like there's literal Fortnite in magic <laughs> so like it it just feels so refreshing to be like scaled down but also complex and like um really familiar you know it it feels like it feels like home it feels like fantasy at home like i compared it early on to like tales of earth sea and like these old school fantasy worlds and, and whatnot and th- that just feels so mm-hmm. so comforting to be in and to be building around um, and that, that to me has really been the best part of this game so far. So on, on the flip side of that, are there, are there any things that, uh, you're not so keen on about the game and also what challenges do you think the game is going to face going forward? Yeah. Well, challenges for this game, for sure. It's going to be that I crack the meta and I build the most busted deck and everybody quits. But yeah, everyone's going to have to come the... back from that. It's going to be a rough time for everybody. <laughs> yeah. No, I some of the things that I have not liked, and I think that's really important to, to do when you evaluate this. Also, like, you know, we 
this could just be personal preference. And some of this just totally is. Um, but it's, it's important to be like, this is not just like the most amazing thing that exists. You know, hopefully in set two, these things get addressed or they, you know, show us that they're looking into these things and whatnot. I don't like the dexterity-based cards. Um, I mm-hmm. specifically Chaos Twister. I have been playing Chaos Twister online. It's a very good card online. It doesn't seem very fair online <laughs> because there's no, no it's, way to... It's pretty powerful. <laughs> there's really... The, the, the card, playing it online is not... You're not playing it how the card was designed. Like, you are not doing what the card text says. And I get that. And I'm totally for, like, the application that folks have done on the Sorcery League Discord and things like that to make it possible to play um, Chaos Twister online because it's a strong card. But if you were actually playing Chaos Twister in person, I just, I don't, I have never liked the dexterity stuff in games. You know, there's the Eric's Curioso card where, like, you rip it up. or It's like a Chaos Orb. And it's like, I get Mm -hmm. it. I know what you're doing. No one's actually playing that card in a competitive deck, hopefully. Um, Like... And, but I just, it's kind of, to me, it, it points to this bigger issue of like, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, <laughs> let's, let's pick a lane. Mm-hmm. Like, let's, let's set some guardrails and let's like, cause if we're going to start, you know, having tournaments and, you know, there's a convention next year, early next year, like, which we can drop in the show notes, but like the, it, you need to pick, you need to set some parameters and stuff and, you know. That may just be coming from me and from us, or, or sort of our background of like, well, in a competitive space, you need to have these guardrails in place. But um, yeah, like I, I'm not a huge fan of the dexterity stuff. It hasn't been too impactful apart from Chaos Twister. Um, in that same sort of realm is like the amount of like tapping that is happening in the game. But maybe that's just me being used to playing a lot of magic where like you get to do more things in a turn than you do in a single game of like sorcery um if you're playing the right deck in magic but <laughs> you know i'm it's like a love hate thing like i get that like when you move you tap and like when you attack you know obviously you would tap that i'm not against that but like some some of the, there's a lot of sort of things that could lead to um kind of cluttered board states and things like that but um, yeah, i think the clutter the clutter is very real and it's not necessarily a big deal and there are some ways to mitigate it like you know if you're setting your artifacts or your relics to the side to indicate that they're being held by your avatar that's great but yeah a lot of the games i have played the board gets messy for sure yeah and and, you know it both in person and online it's kind of like what is happening like there there could be like a a site where you're just like there's too much going on here (laughs) like um i do like in that same regard it's silly but like that i like that they made the tokens like little um because that actually <laughs> so like, fun it's fun it's it's cool but it's also like oh that makes sense like on, on a, in a game of magic when you have a bunch of tokens it, it doesn't matter where they're at in the board again like the grid there's no grid system in magic but they they recognize like oh this site might have like five tokens on it or whatever or seven frog tokens you know but like you can't have seven more game objects that are the same size as other game objects because then it's just going to be a nightmare um and you know the only the only other thing i really want to say about this and i think this is more about the state of like games than it is sorcery itself 
the the challenge that this game is going to face is the same that any new indie trading card game is going to face in you know 2024 2023 it has a lot of support there's a pretty like there's a growing community there's a strong community it's a really well received one of the most like kickstarter games ever on kickstarter um but you're also like you know you're a new card game you're in a card game world against like magic and pokemon you released sorceries beta edition around the same time that a new disney card game was coming out in the same year they had no control over that that's not their fault but like that's got to be hard so getting lost in the fray of trading card games is a very real threat to any new trading card game and we see it happen all the time um it's just something that kind of worries me and it's why i think that like i'm gonna try and you know keep playing stay invested so that like at least you know i'm doing my part for the cause of like i like this game i want to see it to continue to grow and you got to stay engaged and you got to you know put that commitment out there and the company has been very like they've they've been really in, engaged and whatnot with like a player base and it doesn't it feels different than you know something from like a hasbro executive <laughs> coming from magic but um yeah it, it that's one thing that does it's a challenge it's more of like a I know it's a challenge for them as a company. They're probably thinking about it every day, but it's also like a worry for me of like, I don't, I like this game. I don't want it to disappear in like two years. Yeah, absolutely. The game, you know, has to carve out its own niche. It has to get a, like, it has to get a loyal following. And on some level, it has to be able to, if not take away at least share players with other massive games and that's just a struggle no matter no matter how much you have in terms of resource um so yeah i i agree i'm gonna i I want to stay invested and get more people playing but it's always a worry that yeah i I think that that, like you know players um need to like should come to terms with like if you want to play a game you have to be like actively playing it and um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of just the nature of the beast of like, you need to spend your money on it. You need to show up to events. Um, I'll be the first to admit, I don't always show up to events. I don't always spend my money on things like magic and whatnot. Like I am like voting with my wallet per se when it comes to like Lorcana. Cause like I haven't bought sealed product for that in a little bit. Cause like, I don't like the direction the game's going. I do like the direction that sorcery is going and I like playing it. So I want to keep it alive. So, you know. That's a, it's a vote of confidence from me, um, if that means anything, but I feel like there's this notion or or sometimes, and maybe this is just from like, from me specifically and like my sort of community of players or like the people I, I see online and whatnot, like the information ecosystem I live in, but like people have a tendency to like judge a game from afar or like point out flaws and like not really get invested. And it's like, well, it's not gonna, it's like a little baby in an ocean of like, mega sharks and mega like multi-million dollar franchises like hasbro and pokemon like there is a pokemon card game pokemon's like the most recognizable franchise on the planet there's now a disney card game like Mm -hmm. literal the people who make mickey mouse are printing and trying to play in the same space as people who like want to innovate with board games and trading card games that's got to be scary from like a board game trading card game publisher perspective because like these companies like they just have so much power they have so much resources behind them 
and you are, you know, you're sorcery, you're new to the market, you're small. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's fine to compare and it's fine to have complaints with a game, but if you're going to be in sorcery and you want to see it grow, keep playing, keep listening <laughs> and keep doing whatever you can to sort of be an engaged players. Cause like engaged players, I think make games stick around. And honestly, that's why I think that this podcast and support for competitive play is so important. Competition for trading card games is one of the biggest draws. I mean, you know, like playing with fun characters and like building a, a cool themed deck is really fun and I do it. But the thing that really keeps me in trading card games in particular is that sort of drive to win. And you can sort of tell the difference in sentiment about magic from 10 years ago when there was a lot more support for competitive play to now. Um, And, you know, so I think that even if this game wants to maintain the sort of quote unquote kitchen table aesthetic that they are aiming for, there needs to be some, uh, some thought given to competitive play and to, optimized play yeah definitely and i think that like supporting the sort of competitive element of the game is is another way to get more people involved through like visibility if if your game store is hosting tournaments weekly or hosting drafts even like competitive has it's there's a spectrum of competitive right there's like i won a world series i won the pro tour in magic Versus like, oh, like I go to my weekly draft and I do really well and I like doing that. But even like for for stores, like, you know, if they have that weekly draft, if they have like a weekly just sorcery play, that is so important to show up to those sorts of things because it is just visibility. It's exactly that scenario that you described of like you went to go draft and your magic buddy was like, what are you doing? You draft? And he's like, no, I'm you're you're over here like I'm going to play sorcery. So it, you, you, you put a seed in their brain of like, oh, maybe I'll try sorcery. Um, and yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like we said at the top of this podcast, like we are interested in the competitive elements of the game. We're interested in that sort of innovative deck building, interested in pushing the limits of the game and kind of solving some of those competitive puzzles. And, you know, we're, we're not going to be a podcast that is casually focused we have nothing against casual players and I don't even like saying like casual player if you want to listen to a podcast about how this game is just cool and what neat deck you saw online that's great it's probably not this we're gonna talk about what decks are winning and what decks are posed to win because other decks are winning what cards are kind of broken and need to be like reevaluated or thrown in every deck so that way you can keep winning more Hopefully we we will fulfill that for you. Um, we're also not a podcast where we just like open sealed product. <laughs> you know? Yeah, this will not be a pack ripping podcast. We aren't going to be doing uh, streams and whatnots for uh, box openings yeah, no, for sure. No, no whatnot streaming. Um, no shade, minor shade. That's a whole other can of worms with just. Any, that's not even just sorcery. That's any card game now. Like we are in a post you know, post pandemic, we're not post pandemic, but like we, you know, post 2020 boom of trading card games and like these sort of like whatnot and collectability where there was just such a surge in interest that everyone now thinks that they can just like collect any new card game that comes out and they're going to be a billionaire. Um, That's probably not how it's going to (laughs) work. Just heads up. I'm no mathematician. 
but if you're if you're new to competitive play uh, and you're wondering about how best to build your deck buy singles don't crack buy singles don't crack the box i have a sealed box of sorcery right next to me right now i haven't cracked it i don't know if i will because i'll probably save it for like a draft maybe i'll crack it you know in the in the wee midnight hours some night but like (laughs) this is not a place to host box crackings and case crackings and freak out about some foil that we opened maybe you know we'll post that stuff in the sub stack if anybody has cool stuff that they bought or opened or whatever that's awesome feel free to share it but like in terms of what the mission of this is it is to buy singles test like crazy innovate and hopefully win yeah absolutely i want to be talking about gameplay talking about meta decks breaking down how decks work i want to i want to look at you know like spicy brews and how they may or may not compete in the current meta i want to do card evaluations deep dives on strategy how do you play aggro how do you play control is there such Mm. thing as a combo deck in sorcery so that's what we're here for yeah that's that's the age-old question is there a combo deck that john can play in this game um (laughs) we're almost there we're almost there we're we're getting so close you know we're we're winding down here we thank you so much for like sort of joining us on this first rendition here um one thing that i want to do before we outro you into the great beyond and you go play so much sorcery is i'm gonna say two cards from this game and then my friend here bronte is gonna say his two cards that match this one of them is a card that has impressed you in gameplay from like a competitive standpoint and a card that seems like really strong and the other card is just a card that kind of warms your heart a bit like oh it's so cool to see this fantasy card pop up um and you know i really like that they included something like this i will start with my competitive card and i am going to name the card that we hinted at earlier it's root spider (laughs) it's root spider is 100 root root spider it was always root spider it's always been root spider um yeah i feel like root spider is probably too good and if you want to laugh at me for that that's fine been playing a lot of this game past couple months a little bit here i think root spider is too good it doesn't advance the game it bends the game to its will that you have to have specific sorts of removal for it or else your opponent cannot progress the game or you can stall the game on your avatar's location in such a way that you get an advantage and it is fairly basic and doesn't really have a downside it's cheaply costed I think it was kind of a design mistake. I think it's a cool card, but it's a design mistake from the sort of ability to repeat that effect because it's an exceptional card. Um, So I can have three copies. I can get other copies with with other things, searching it out of the deck. It's it's probably, that's my prediction. That's my competitive prediction for 2024. Saying it now, Root Spider, probably too good. Bronte, what about you? you? What do you think about Root Spider and what is your competitive card selection here yeah just to to add on to root spider a little bit uh it just it limits gameplay and it doesn't make for interesting gameplay it seems like an innocuous card when you first read it and i can see how it would slip through all the phases of design and i mean i think it's fun if you're strictly playing like uh, with a kitchen table mindset but once you get into higher levels of play it just causes problems it's not interesting it's not fun I wouldn't mind seeing it go as much as I love spiders. My pick for 
for competitive card, I'm going to go for the cores and Philosopher's Stone. I know there's a lot of uh, <laughs> conflicting opinions on if they're actually good enough to make the cut. Uh, spoiler. 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 They're they good. Are. Yeah, They're good enough to make the cut. Play, play the play the cores, play Philosopher's Stone, play the mixes. Play just, them. Just play them. Um, it's, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I know you might uh, be worried about drawing them late game and having a dead card, but that could happen with a number of other cards. You know, like if you're playing any sort of dryads or ramp, they're going to be similarly dead. I think the times that they're valuable are vastly going to outweigh the times that they're not, uh, especially because they give mana and threshold. Um, for my fantasy card, can I go first, John? I'm picking Land Surveyor. I love that there's something as mundane and stupid as uh. a bureaucrat riding a donkey who's telling you that actually that's not your property. It's hilarious. <laughs> I love it. It's also a decent card. No, that that's very true. And that's something that's kind of come up in this game. Um, that It's really funny to me. I think for me, and I've been thinking about this a lot, my favorite sort of fantasy card that just makes like, warms my heart is Nimbus Gin. It's got a little bit of a competitive flair. I love the art for Nimbus Gen. Um, I love like kind of what it does. I love the the lore and the flavor of this like ethereal terror in the sky. And it also reminds me of Mahat Mahatmati Jin, which is an eighth edition card um, from Magic. And that was one of the first cards like I ever played with in in eighth edition. Just a big flying creature that does cool things is always going to sort of warm my heart and make me happy um and it also points i i really like air i'm starting to like air more and more i know i picked wave shaper but yeah they're doing cool things in the airspace they're doing cool things in the sorcery space and you know we feel enthusiastic about the future of this game cannot wait to see how things develop and see more people play we want to see more stores start supporting it we here at death store podcast we're going to be covering meta decks for you we're going to be covering spicy brews card evaluations, deep dives, established and emerging strategies, new gameplay concepts, ways to elevate your gameplay, and hopefully one day, maybe even some tournament coverage. So if you are a listener and you've enjoyed what you've heard, if you want to suggest a topic for us um, or submit a deck that you've been brewing, reach out to us at deathsdoorsorcery.podcast at gmail.com. There is no apostrophe in deaths, or you can find us on Discord, where we are at Death's Door Podcast. You can also subscribe to our Substack. That's where we're going to be announcing upcoming episodes, sending updates on sorcery-related news, and publishing some of our thoughts on decks, events, state of the game, Root Spider being banned, things of that nature. That's Death's Door Sorcery Hey, hey, everyone, it's Bronte jumping in with a little outro message for y'all. I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us for our very first episode of the Death Store podcast. We couldn't be more excited to be working on this project, and we're just absurdly thankful for every single one of you for tuning in. We'd also like to send a big shout out to Infraction for this absolutely blazing hot intro and outro music. 
We hope you enjoyed episode one, and we'll be back in just a couple weeks to talk about deck building and archetypes. We'll be breaking down top decks from the last Sorcery League, and maybe, if you're lucky, we'll even reveal what decks we'll each be playing for the next league. That's coming up soon enough, so stay tuned, and we'll see you at Death's Door. Yeah.